you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers, and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. At the moment, we've got Karen Irwin. So Karen's an eventing coach, competitor, trainer. She's competed to four-star. She gets a huge buzz out of teaching riders who like to just achieve their goals, no matter what goals they want to achieve. And she's got herself and um, three children competing, so it's a bit of a family affair, the whole competition world at the moment. Karen, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Good. Now, Karen, I know that you've got a quote ready to go and we like to find out a little bit more about you just by the quote that you're Mm -hmm. going to use, which might be an inspirational quote or something that you use when you're teaching all the time. What have you got for us today? Um, A quote that I tend to live by is don't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. Okay. Okay. And I use that through my working life and my question life and also my personal life. So it's one that, um, yeah, has, has stuck with me. And, um, yeah, I, I like that quote because it's something that you're working on in, with your horse, um, schooling. If, it, if it's not working and you don't seem to be getting somewhere, you need to change it, whether it's just tweaking it, asking your coach for some advice. Yeah, or even just going back to basics. And if all else fails, that's my go-to. You go back to basics. Yep, yep, yep. That's a good one to use when you're teaching. But when did you start to use it? Was there like a particular event that started you using it or did someone teach it to you or is it just something that came about? Um, it was it was just something that um, probably evolved with each one of the horses that I've ridden and competed has, has taught me something. Mm-hmm. And um, one in particular, I, I just kept kept keeping in a competition scenario, kept keeping his dressage warm up the same and then he, he just wasn't coping once he got into the arena um, and, and got to the point where I thought, well, I need to change this up. This isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I tried a few different things and then come up come up with this formula for him and and which takes me to another thing where I think if you do what works for you and your horse, regardless yep. of what yep. everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether that be you have to ride them twice, whether it be they only get a five minute warm up. Yeah. Whether yeah, you go straight from the stable to the arena. I yeah, you do what works for you. 
because I, I think sometimes people go out and they, they go to their first few competitions or maybe go to like a higher level competition than what they used to. You know, they might be competing at one level, all of a sudden they're up to another level and they're watching everyone else. What are they doing? What are they doing different? You know, how I should be able to do some of that. I've, there's lots of things that they'd be doing um, that's different to the training that the horse has been used to the whole time. Yes, that's right. And I know the first few times I went to, say, a big three-day event like Melbourne or, and you do get a bit overwhelmed by not only the atmosphere but all the competitors there and you're like, yeah. oh, they're walking their horse out or they're riding their horse twice a day, three times a day. Mm, or, mm. And you do get a bit, oh, maybe I should be doing something different. Yes. Where it took me a while to go, no, you've got to stick with what. What you know. What yep. works for you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Karen, what about starting with horses? You know, do you remember what got you started? Why did you decide to have a career with horses? What got you going to ride and compete to four star? What were your early influences there? Um, growing up, I didn't have horses, but my aunt and cousins rode competitively pony club and predominantly show jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, but I spent every holidays I could with them. Um, I'd help them feed up, muck out, and would just beg, borrow, and steal a horse to ride whenever I could. Yep. Um, and I think it was when I was about 10 or 11, I was finally allowed to go to pony club camp on yep. one of their very experienced horses, yep. um, or ponies he was. His name was Flash, and he was called that for a reason. He knew how to do everything and I didn't know how to, much, how to do much and I just hung on um, and I still remember my first show jump round and he heard the bell and he just took off <laughs> like a flash and I just had to point him at the jumps and stay on and we actually came second um, and yeah that was I was just like hooked from then Good. and from there, my auntie gave me um, another pony that she had who didn't know much at all. He'd been broken in and turned out. He was quiet but a bit spooky, so I had to have my wits about me. But I ended up doing pony club. I did my first one-day event on him um, when I was about 13, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I think we stopped at every single cross-country fence, but... <laughs> We at least one, but we got round because in those days we could keep, keep going, going unless right. we stopped at the same fence three times. Yep. Um, and cool, it was I, a cricket school, yeah. wasn't it? You know, the whole school was so That's high right. that you cricket school. <laughs> yep, yep. But I finished. So um, I rode him till I was about 17. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was the start of my riding career and my interest in eventing and love of eventing. If people want to go on you know if you just think right well I mean you've got your own kids but if you had a a niece or a nephew who was coming to your place every holidays some are going to make it and some aren't what sort of core skills character traits would you be looking at for someone that you think that person's going to make it you know they'll have a you know a a, um, career with horses they'll go out they'll do well what do you think that someone needs to do well do well eventing or you know do well with horses um, as you know, it, it's a pretty tough gig. Um, 
it's long hours and it's hard work, mm-hmm. but they have to have that passion. Like they, you nearly have to live and breathe horses to, um, and have a strong work ethic to then go on and make that your career. Okay. And and there's going to be some tough times, um, but the good times more than make up for that. And it's really important to network and surround yourself with people who believe in you and, and are positive about what you want to do um, mm-hmm. with your career with horses. Yep. Um, yep. There's, I know growing up and when I started riding, I heard a lot. There's no, you can't make a career out of horses. You can't do it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> You've got yeah, to have tell another, me about it. Yep. another job. And and I wouldn't discourage a young person from, from going and getting other qualifications. Um, mm-hmm. But if that's what they want to do, there's plenty of avenues in the equestrian world to, um, yeah, have that education, but also still be working with horses. Yeah, those opportunities within the horse industry are growing at an exponential rate. It just really is. It's not just, I remember when I was at school and wanted to work with horses and, you know, the guidance officer tried to talk me out of it. You know, all you're doing is just picking up and you manure. You'll never, ever have a career. You'll never pass mm. that part. And, yeah, the opportunities that I've had through horses, you know, the travel, the opportunities, it's just been brilliant. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And not only that, but the people that you meet and the friendships that you make, um, yeah, that's all part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who do you think if, you know, you're going to think about people who have influenced you and supported you positively, is there anyone you'd like to mention? Um, Craig and Prue Barrett have probably been the biggest influence on my equestrian career, yep. um, both in riding and coaching. Mm. I first met Craig when I started having lessons with him when he and Prue were based at New South Wales Equestrian Centre with yep. Heath and Rosie. Yep. And that I hate to think of how long ago that was, <laughs> but <laughs> I think it was probably close to 30 years ago. Yep. Um, yep. And I went there on my little quarter horse, stock horse, um, pony club mount and um, Craig took me from a pony club eventer to I went three star on that horse. Yeah, yep. And not only that, they supported me and being um, just that positive influence in other horses that I've brought on, and also in helping me develop my coaching yep. career as yep. well. Yep. It's um, interesting, isn't it? I know that just even within our podcast, he's probably influenced more riders, um, you know, riders, competitors, coaches than anyone else. But now it's almost like it's the next generation, you know, people that he's influenced have gone on and influenced uh, other absolutely. people. And, but then you're, you're coaching and teaching and, and doing everything, so you're then influencing other people as well. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Mm. And Prue and Craig did um, spend a bit of time over in the UK yep. um, when I first started going there for lessons. Um, and I was lucky enough and fortunate enough that he took over my lessons. Okay. So yep. I was taught by Heath as well. Um, and, yeah, it was it was just amazing. Yeah. Just yep. amazing. Yep. You come out of a lesson just on such a high. Yes, and, yes, um, yes. And you could – and 
and you listen to Craig teach and it's very much listening to light, yes. listening yes. to Heath teach. So yeah, yeah I, I can that say mold. that. It, um, I, you know, I had lessons with Heath and then I had lessons with uh, one of Heath's instructors so and I can say that they do have a very similar style and you know I suppose for a little while there I was doing you know coach training with him I you know there's certain tips that you pick up and you hear yourself repeating it and it's Heath's voice but um you know because he's so effective and because he's so good that's why we why we go ahead and do it yeah what about a horse if you got you know you talked about the one that you took to his place and it went to three star is that the main horse or you got another horse that you'd like to talk about um, he was obviously my first serious event horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has a special place in my heart. But my next horse, um, Lexan, was the horse yep. that took me to four star. He was an off the track thoroughbred, which I bought on Craig's recommendation as a six year old. And he felt like he could jump the moon. And um, he was so brave. And sometimes you did feel like you needed a parachute when he mm-hmm. jumped. Um, we did our first three-star at Melbourne two years after I bought him. And um, our performance there was good enough to, I think that was two years out from Sydney Olympics, so it was very much a long list. But, um, yeah, the select, you got onto the selector's radar. Yep. um, Just from that first three-star start. That's good, isn't it? And, yeah, yeah, so he's, but just with that thoroughbred brain, he didn't quite cope with the pressures of the 60 by 20 arena. Um, <laughs> so dressage was his, his downfall, especially when we competed at Adelaide in the early years when it actually used to still be a racetrack. Um, yep. And the dressage arena was actually on the home stretch. <laughs> yes, yes. <I laughs> so we'd warm up beautifully yeah, and then yeah. get out there and, um, oh, wait, let me yeah, go. yeah. But, yeah. But he would then go out and gallop steeplechase and gallop gallop around that four star track like it was nothing. So, yeah, um, yeah. and he 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 competed in the long format three day events. Yes, um, at Melbourne, Lochinvar, Gundawindi, Sydney, and Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, I had to retire him due to injury. Mm-hmm. But um, on a nice note. He won his last start at Camden Equestrian, so okay. that was that was a good night to finish on. Was that the best? You know, thinking about your proudest performance or proudest moment with the horses, was that it? Winning his last event, or, um, or being on that um, selectors radar for the for Sydney? Yeah, that that's up there. Probably the the one that that sticks though is um, on my. Little quarter horse, stock horse. I actually won stone. Um, it was called advanced back in those days. Um, mm. Three star. That's all right. At my second yep. attempt at three star. Yep. And um, I had the show jump clear to stay in the lead, and I was ahead of Johnny Cooper and Shane Rose. Yep. So um, and yeah, so the pressure was on, and he he did it, and that I still. Brings a smile to my face every time I think about that. Wow, that that's moment. Good. That's good. Thinking about um, where you are now and any challenges is a challenge because you're not going to go and compete four star again. You you're happy um, no. going out with the family. You're happy now coaching riders who have got their own set goals. You know what? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 
absolutely. Um, and and I guess my biggest challenge is is finding the right tools and the right teaching method mm-hmm. to help help people achieve their goals because one of the um, most oh what's the word challenging is it? Mm, um, oh, just one of the one of the things I've learned from coaching is, is the different learning styles. Of, yes, of yes, of different people. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and the, and there's so many different ways you can say the the same thing. Yes, and then one day you'll say it a different way, and you see it, and you go, oh, they got it. Yep, yep. You know what's funny? It's it's when you teach coaches, you know, people who are coaches are instructors, and you teach their children. And the kids are just so wrapped about the lesson. And the parent goes, I've been telling them that for ages and they just haven't got it. Yes, yes, that's the story of my life. Yep, yes, yes, well, it would <laughs> be with you as well. my children now go to Prue and Craig for lessons. Yep, yep. And, um, yeah, obviously similar teaching style. Good. But, um, yep, yep. Yes, and I'll, I'll come home and go, oh, that was so good. And like, <laughs> that's exactly what I've been telling yes, you. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. Now, thinking about you as a coach, you know, a problem, and I am going to ask you for three problems. I'm going to be really greedy because you're an eventer and you do, you know, dressage, show jumping and cross country. A common fault that you see with riders, trainers, handlers, doesn't matter, you know, talk about how to fix it. So if we just talk about dressage, what, and, you know, you're out there, you're competing, you see lots of other riders, what's a common fault mm-hmm. that you think um the dressage competitors do where if they fix the problem, it could improve their test, improve their scores, improve the horse, you know, even within just the training? Um, keeping a rhythm okay. in each yep. gate yep. and accuracy. Okay, yes, um, yes. Practice your accuracy at home. Yep, yep. Like practice your 20-metre circles so that they're accurate. Mm-hmm. Practice your centre line so that they're straight. Quite often, I'll um, be running through a test with a pupil, and we go, "Okay, uh, let's start the test." And they come up the centre line, mm. and it's it's all over the place. Yep. And and I'll ask them, "So, how many centre lines have you practiced the last week?" None. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and I make a point. Oh well. In the lead up to a competition, you probably need to do, I do like 10 centre lines nearly every day that I do flat work Mm. in the lead up to a competition so that you know that it's going to be accurate because that centre line, that first centre line is your first impression to the judge. Yes, yep, yep. Now there's keeping a rhythm within the pace. Is that Mm -hmm. you're going to use that for cross country and show jumping, you know, that's that's sort of fairly obvious. But have you got anything else that's specific show jumping or specific cross country? See a lot of um younger riders Mm -hmm. and and probably probably amateur riders don't have a very good concept of how fast they're going. Okay. Yep. Um cross country. Yes. They're either going too fast and they can either be going too fast because they're scared mm-hmm. yep. or they're going too fast because they haven't got control of their horse or they're going too fast because they actually don't realise they're going that fast. Yep. Um, so I re- when I'm teaching cross-country, I really try and um, I will measure out 
mm-hmm. um, yep. say, say the group, an 80 centimetre group, I'll measure out um, for, I think it's 400 metres a minute, 450 metres a minute. Mm-hmm. I'll measure out 450 metres and we'll jump some jumps and then we'll actually put that together and I'll time them so that they can get a bit of an indication of how fast they're going. And, um, okay. yeah, just try and get them to realise that that making the time is about realising where you can go a bit quicker yep. and yep. realising where you actually need to set your horse up balance them and not be going so quick because that's when it gets dangerous yep yep yeah all right and what about show jumping something you know keeping the rhythm but um within the course but anything in particular for show jumping that's going to help our listeners um need to ride through your turn um yeah just keep that activity going through your turn Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as well as yeah keeping that rhythm Okay. And, right. and walk your course where, you, where you're going to ride it. Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. All right. I think those tips are good for listeners. I think that, um, you know, if we think about a podcast that's got to have the learning in it and if people are listening and listening to this one, you know, just something that they can go away and go, right, that's what I have to do. And uh, even someone who's only riding dressage or only riding show jumping, you know, the importance of keeping the rhythm through all their paces. Yeah. I think that's just a yeah. big learning thing for them as well. Yep, yep. Mm. And it's a real feel too. So. Sure, sure. And the more that you do it, the better you're going to get. Of course, you know, you need to get some feedback on that, which is why you'd be going to your your coach or your instructor. But even just, um, you know, two people riding together can give feedback on on some of the things that we talk about. Yeah, Some eyes on the ground or someone to video. Yes, video is very good because you can keep it. For a bit just so that you can, yeah, self-analyse and and see what, what you actually look like. Yep, yep. All right, now, Karen, what are you looking forward to now? You, you're out, you're competing, you've got, you know, you've got your students that you're coaching, you've got your kids that you're riding, you've got your family group that you're competing. Anything else? Have you got any young horses coming on or any that you're breeding or, you know, anything that you're particularly looking forward to? Um, looking forward to my my kids mm-hmm. continuing and and hopefully get the buzz out of out of the competition that I did when I was younger. Yep. I I still enjoy competing, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Yeah. For me yeah. now, I actually get just as much enjoyment out of watching them That's compete and helping helping them at an event. Yep. Yeah, they've all got relatively new horses mm-hmm. within the last 12 to 18 months. So, um, yeah, just looking forward to them developing, developing partnerships with those horses and hopefully special ones like I was lucky enough to have with, with my horses. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm um, also looking at, at finishing my level two coaching qualifications. Mm-hmm. I'm two-thirds of the way there, so yeah. that's um, one thing I do want to get ticked off my list in 2019. That, that ongoing and professional development is so important. 
you know, just to keep yeah. going. And and as you say, you know, the, the horse industry, it's opening up. So it could be, you know, improving your coaching, becoming better as you're coaching, um, even using those complementary skills. And, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's, right. that's really good. Now, before we go, can you just summarise your philosophy with coaching with horses, you know, just to give people a tip to take away with them, just something so they can remember and, um, you know, what do you think is the most important thing for them to remember just in a couple of sentences? Um, with a lot of the people I teach at the moment, um, it's really important to um, be mindful of what you're feeding your horse in relation to what workload he is getting. Um, which is really important because quite often my students will come to me and say that their horse has been really naughty and I'll say, well, how much work has he had this week and what feeds he had? So just trying to teach people a bit bit of horse management that way. Yep. Um, and and in, terms of, in terms of riding, yeah, just keep at it and, and believe in yourself. Get get. If you've got a question, don't be scared to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be scared to make a mistake. If you make a mistake, forgive yourself. Your horse is going to forgive you. They're very forgiving animals. Yep. Um, that's why we love them so much. Yes, yes. And, um, yeah, just keep working hard at it. Okay. All right, now, Karen, if people would like to contact you, what's the best way? Those details will be on horsechats.com slash Karen Irwin, but how can they contact you? Um, on my mobile or Facebook or I have an Instagram account as well. So any of those, um, I'm very contactable and will respond to either of those. All right. So what do they do? They're just going to go and search for Karen Irwin and those details will come there. They, they'll be on Horse Chats anyway and uh, we'll have yeah. make sure we've got all those details, make sure they're the correct ones. Yep. Yeah, that's the best way. All right. Good to talk to you, Karen, and um, love to catch up with you again sometime soon. Okay. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 